I want to share with you today about the cost of serving God. Have an honest talk about the cost there is to walk with God and to fulfill all that He has for you. And I want to try to draw a line in the sand to expose the difference between what many Christians feel serving God is compared to what the Word of God says serving God is. I think in the attempt to try to win the world over to Christ, many, many uh, preachers have lowered the standards and, and, and upped the promises. The message of, do you want to go to heaven instead of hell, is the most important message that we can preach. But you should know by now that salvation, being born again, isn't the end of, your, of the work. I'm going to heaven. I asked Jesus in my heart, I'm going to heaven. That's the beginning, not the end of what God wants to do with you. In other words, His plan for you isn't only to get you saved, to get to heaven. His plan for you is to you to give Him your life so He can do a work in you and through you on this earth. So many Christians are walking around, speaking and confessing, believing their relationship with God is about them believing for good things in their life. I'm believing for a new house and a new car, prosperity, health, wealth, wisdom, so many good things. God wants to bless me, and you see it on social media, someone on a vacation with their toes in the sand saying, bless God, He has been so good to me. And in our American Christianity, I think we've gone a little bit too far thinking that God's job in our life is about making us happy, about giving us abundance and blessings. I believe that God wants us blessed, and I believe God, of course, wants us healthy and wise and wealthy, but not at the cost of doing the work of the gospel. And I want us to have an honest look at the walk of God, because as you continue to pray in tongues and continue to spend time with God, something's going to build in you, and that's called the plan of God. When you pray in tongues, you're actually praying the perfect will of God in your life, meaning that tomorrow I'm going to have to make decisions for my life, and the next day. But I can pray in tongues today, and God lays out His desire in my heart to when I come to that place of having to make a decision, I'll be more apt to go the way He wants instead of the way my flesh wants me to go. Because you know your flesh will serve God as long as it doesn't have to die. As long as it doesn't have to be mortified. It's happy to go to church. If you take a man and you put a a thread of death sentence around his neck and say, we're going to kill you. He'd say, is there another option? (laughs) Well, okay, if you behave and and you do good and you come to church and you treat your wife nice, then I'll let you live. Well, that man might say, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do those things. Well, your flesh, the body that you are in, is very similar. The scripture tells us we're to mortify the deeds of the flesh, the desires of your outward man. But if you put a a death sentence on it, it will begin to negotiate. Okay, look, what if I go to church? What if I don't fight you and I go to church and I serve God? I lift my hands and I worship God. Can I do all that? So many Christians, I find, are trying their best to serve God. Maybe they don't know, but they're really serving God through their outward man and their flesh. That's why it's so important we pray in tongues, because the Holy Spirit begins to build in us His plan for our life, His purpose for our life. And when that begins to build, you'll run into some questions like I had. Like, wait a minute, why is God leading me down this path? When I should go down that path, because that's the path of prosperity. That's the path of success. Why is he leading me down this path? Well, because you prayed it out, and he's building something in you that's going to he's going to use to touch the world and touch many people in your life. But I see so many Christians living their life thinking it's about going to church on Sunday, believing God for blessings and abundance and success. And I don't want to take away from that, but that's not the purpose of Christianity. The root purpose of Christianity, the very root of it is, He wants to use your life on this earth to touch people. He wants to do a work in you and through you to touch people. And that's going to cost you. That means you don't have the luxury to make choices, to be right, 
I have a right. I have a right to speak my mind. I have, I have one time God called me to a place where I couldn't speak my mind. If I did, they would have kicked me out. And I remember arguing with God. God, why have you put me here? And he wanted me to learn something. And he wanted to do something in them. And the requirement was I couldn't speak my mind. I could have. I had a right to. But if I did, they would have kicked me out. And I would have been kicked out of doing what God wanted me to do. And I remember people coming up to me, friends and family, saying, I can't believe the way those people are treating you. You need to speak up and walk away. You have a right to be treated properly. Well, you do, unless God places you there. I I can imagine the Apostle Paul sitting in prison saying things like, well, my right is to not be here. Why have I served God and end up in prison? Why do I serve God and, and end up in all these hardships? You know, I have a right. I'm going to go live this way because I should be blessed. And that would have taken them out of the plan of God. God doesn't send hard times. God doesn't send poverty or sickness. He doesn't send disease. He doesn't send uh, hardships. But the devil does. And the devil does to stop you from fulfilling your calling. You could ask God, God, can you please take these hardships away? Please, God, take these hardships away. I'm your child. And God would say, well, I didn't send them there. And the only way to take the hardships away is to stop you, to give you a path that doesn't take you into your calling. So yes, God could give you a path of luxury and and happiness and no problems and no worry and no concerns. He could do that for you. If he wanted you to be happy in this life and sad in, in the for the rest of eternity. But he cares for you enough that he has planned out a plan for your life that may cost you. How much will it cost you? Well, it may cost you everything. It may take you to a place to where you have no rights. You have no rights to change course. When I was in that position, and I knew that God had placed me there, it was with uh, some people who were leaders over me. And it was very clear that if you didn't do what they wanted, they would just get rid of you and replace you with someone else, which I wasn't trying to be there. God placed me there. And it was similar to how I would say how David got frustrated with Saul, and Saul was trying to kill him and attack him. And and David snuck in at night into the cave and and cut his robe and, and later felt convicted for doing that. That God didn't want him getting justice for himself, didn't want him fixing things for himself. That God had placed Dave under Saul, David under Saul, for a reason. And so I remember being in that position where I couldn't speak my mind and, and stand up for myself. And it sounds silly, but that's where I was. I was young, but that's where I knew God had me. And I'd seen people stand up for themselves and then got kicked out. Well, if I got kicked out because I stood up for myself for not being treated right, then that would have stopped me from doing what God told me to do. And I was there for years, and, and I learned that God was my source of everything. I learned that God was my source of provision, my source of self-worth. I learned so many wonderful things in that time of hardship. And God placed me in that time. And when the time was for me to leave, when God said, I need you to leave this place now, I spoke my mind and said, it's time for me to go. And they told me that I wasn't supposed to go. God told them I was supposed to stay. And I said, I'm sorry, but God told me to go. And they offered me to stay, and I said no. And they were shocked that I could stand up for myself, because they thought that my ability to stay there and not stand up for myself was because I was weak. It wasn't because I was weak. It was because I was obeying God. And it's important you know this, that there's times in your life where God may direct you into situations where it's not about you. It's not about your happiness It's not about your success in the moment. I think so many people don't have any faith in God with their lives, so they're constantly wanting all the blessings right now. I think that's in our society why everyone's so much in debt, because they can't wait to save. They want to buy everything now. And while it's not like that in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God isn't about you. Let me say this again. The kingdom of God is not about you. It's about Him. 
It's about His will for your life, His desires for your life. And I see so many Christians striving and giving God credit for many things in their life, but one, one preacher I remember said, you should have the biggest house in the neighborhood. You should drive the nicest car in the neighborhood so you can be an example to your neighbors about God. And his whole message was about prosperity so much that he even said, if you're not walking in prosperity, you're out of the will of God. If, you're, if God's hand of blessings on you, you should have the biggest house in the neighborhood. And I remember thinking at that moment, because I didn't have the biggest house. In fact, I wasn't living with a lot of wealth at the time. And, but I was obeying God. And I thought, well, you know, the biggest house in the town was owned by someone who owned like a bar and a strip club and alcohol sales. That that guy had the biggest house. Was, he, was that the sign that God's blessing him? Is wealth so much a sign of God's blessing that we can say that? What if God calls you to the jungle of some nation and there are no houses, you have to live in a hut? You tell me what's more successful. Well, true success is always and always will be only if you are in the will of God. I see so many people give, God gives them an assignment to, to help, to participate, to belong. And they get excited until they find out that all things of service becomes work. And then they try to wiggle out and find a way out, spiritualize their way out. Because they, they think serving God is about rewarding themselves. And it's a shame. Serving God should always be about pleasing our Father. Not about satisfying our own desire to be wanted or needed. And I'm saying this because I see this so rampant in our Christianity. People serving God, but really serving their own need to be needed and wanted and loved and appreciated and and looked up to and respected. I see that so often. And I see people claiming God wants them blessed, so that's why they're going to take a job. God wants me blessed, and here's an opportunity for a bigger blessing. I have an opportunity. This one business has offered me. I got one friend who recently was offered a wonderful job of great pay, much more than what he's making right now. And he made a decision because he listened to God. He prayed. And God told him to stay where you are. And he had to turn down a big bonus and lots of money, extra money. And he said, I had talked to my one boss. And he said, oh, yeah, I would take that. And we talked about it because he said, you know, the world is all about moving from better to better, finding a better career, finding better money, finding a better job, because they don't take the time and have to. or They're not supposed to. They're the world. Their whole idea of prosperity is about achieving higher and higher standards, whereas the whole goal of Christianity is to listen and obey and follow the steps that he ordered for you. And my friend said, God told me not to take that job, to stay where I was. And he did. He turned it down. And, and, and who knows the million things that he, God was able to do in him being obedient. I see so many Christians who claim to be following God are really seeking prosperity and wealth and the easy road through this life. I'm not saying God wants you to go through hardship. But I am saying there are many times when you're following God that he'll ask you to go to a place where the enemy will come to try to discourage you and stop you and, and get you to change course. He can't make you change course, but he can make you miserable, try to get you to change course. And I've seen in my own life where I'll be in a moment where things are very difficult, but I'm, in the, I'm right in the will of God, and things are very difficult financially and, and ministry-wise and personally, and... A shiny door opens up that seems to make it easy. A shiny door opens up that seems to make it, oh, this answers all my problems. This is it. Praise God. God sent an opening. And I began to confess, you know, God opened the door, no man can shut in Jesus' name. This door is open. It's going to bring me relief and prosperity and success. And here I am in the middle of struggle. And the Lord says, no, I want you to stay. I want you to stay and birth your ministry you're calling, we're looking, God is your source for everything. You're not doing it to gain anything but His love, His approval. 
That is the, the walk of a Christian. Not just to make it to heaven. So many Christians are excited to get saved. That's, of course, the biggest thing. You got saved, but that's the beginning of your walk. You got born again, yes. Now keep walking with God, because He has a work for you to do in the body of Christ. It's important that you know God as well as anyone else, and you have laid your life down as much as anyone else. Not just the preachers, the fivefold ministry, they're called, they have to do more and more. I just show up. Think about how many people just show up for church every Sunday and go home for the rest of the week and do what they want. They give 10% of their income when God wants all of their income. God wants all of your life. And that means you have to give up the rights. The rights to say, I should have this. I've watched a lot of people who follow God and God takes them down a, a path of maturing, which means they have to grow up. And you learn on this path that everything the devil throws at you, you're going to walk through it and you'll be victorious if you don't quit, if you don't change course. And I've seen many people who change course to fix it. I've seen many people get married to someone just because they want to get married and they don't trust God. I see many people take career jobs. I remember my own parents, who I love and respect so much because they allowed me as a young man to follow God. But they protested. But they allowed me. And I always respected that. And I remember I had an experience with God when I was 18 years old. And it, it changed the trajectory of my life. I was signed up to go to university the next year. And applied for a scholarship for playing soccer. And was going to be a teacher. That's what I thought I, I was going to do. And that summer I had an, an experience. And a few months later, the Lord let me work at a church that I was a part of. But I meant I wasn't going to go to school. And I knew that's what I was supposed to do. And my parents, well-meaning, and, and because they didn't want their son to be a bum, <laughs> said, Alan, uh, you know, you're going to go do this low-paying job at the church. Why don't you go, go to university? You're accepted. And go to university first. Get your career. And they begin to lay, lay down a very wise case that, don't you know that every preacher we know, almost every preacher we know, had a career first, and then they went into ministry? And they said, why don't you go finish your career, go get your education, get a career started, and then, if God wants you to, then go into ministry. Because then if things don't work out, son, you always have something to fall back on. I wasn't really brilliant at the time, but I knew that God was leading me. And I said, I don't want something to fall back on because I'll probably then fall back on it when things get hard. And I said, I know God's leading me down this road. And I remember my mom said, well, we have a businessman in our church who we, everyone loves and I know you respect him. So we're, we asked him to meet with you so he can talk, talk to you. And maybe you'll listen to his advice. So I thought, okay, I'll do that. And, and I met with that businessman and all these years later, my mom's still angry at him because his advice to me after we talked was, I think you're best to do your best to follow God, Alan. And, and so my mom's like, I can't believe he told you that. He's supposed to tell you to go get your career. But thank God for godly wisdom because my whole life changed because I followed God and not the normal pattern. And again, that's following God's direction, not my own desire to serve God not my own plan to make things easy. And that led me down through time after time, reliving that same scenario of obeying God when it didn't make sense. Obeying God and staying where God had me. Many Christians don't know how to stay. They don't know how to stay where God has them. They keep trying to break out. They keep begging God every day, when is this going to change? When is this going to change? And they live their life like that, their service to God. I've been married over 20 years now. Praise God to a beautiful woman, a wonderful wife. I don't get up every day and say, Okay, God, am I supposed to stay married to her? Okay, God, am I supposed to stay married to her? No, that was my walk, my commitment. I'm married for the rest of my life to her. We're committed. That is a commitment. Why should your commitment to God's path for you be any different? then what should be in a marriage? That you're committed to God's will in your life. How many people, they go to church. 
and when I talk like this, I'm not necessarily trying to talk to people who are immature or to people who are babies and don't know any better, really, but to those who call themselves leaders or want to be leaders, grow up. I see so many people go to church, they attend the church, God sent them there, but they don't like what the pastor taught. So they withhold their finances, they withhold their love, they bicker, they, they talk bad about the, the leadership, and they complain, and God sent them there. Do you think God sent you there to, to bicker and complain and to destroy? God didn't send you there to do that. He sent you there to grow up, to grow up and let go of your agenda. Well, I've seen many Christians get so frustrated. I don't like this church. I'm going to find another church. And they shop around looking for someone to teach them, to give them what they want. And there's churches designed, modern churches. There's many designed about appeasing you, making you feel good, petting your flesh, rewarding you for showing up, not trying to preach you into growing up, but they're trying to preach you into showing up. And it's the grow up places where we mature. It's those challenges where we don't like it. Where everything in us wants to run, but we don't run. That's the victory. That's where you find the true maturing take place. Let's look at a few verses here. We'll start in Matthew 17, or 16, Matthew 16. I've lost respect for many people through the years who who I, I looked up to when they jumped ship when it got hard. It wasn't them hearing God. Now, everyone says it was them hearing God. I, I always tell the story when I was running the Bible college, and we had a few rules, like uh, no dating in your first year, no being involved in church ministry your first year, only serving. And we have a few people come, and after about six weeks, usually about six weeks, it would hit, maybe two months, they come and say, Pastor Alan, I feel the Lord is leading me back home. I feel the Lord is telling me to go back home. And I said, you've only been here six weeks. It's a two-year program. You're only here for six weeks. No, no, I just was praying this morning, and the Lord said, go home. I said, I don't think that was the Lord. I said, I understand that it doesn't feel great, but it's because you're facing yourself. See, it's very, listen, it's very easy to do ministry to be busy in ministry, to pray for people, to prophesy over people, to teach people, to share the gospel, to to even do good works, to feed the poor. It's very easy to find purpose in doing things in the name of God to where you feel good about yourself. But that can camouflage your lack of growth, like a drug that lets you go on till tomorrow and not change. But you don't know it, you still feel good. And the plan of the first year Bible school was to help them to grow up. And and so at six weeks, they got tired of just growing. They, they said, I feel I'm supposed to go home. And, and I'm not doing much here. I'm just attending and learning and, and praying. And, and we I'd have them all, all that wanted up in, at 6 a.m. praying with me in tongues for two hours. And it causes you to face your natural man, the desires and deeds and plans of the natural man. And those desires will never go to a cross. You have to make them go on the cross. They won't go willingly. And I remember they would say, a few of them I could say, but most of them once they got that thought, and they allowed themselves the right to to escape. Once you allow yourself the right to escape from the will of God, you're setting yourself up for a hard life of always escaping every time. Every time things get difficult, every time... Things aren't make you happy or feel successful. You'll find the door to escape. Don't open that door. Don't ever open that door to make life easier on you. Because once you do, you train yourself and the devil. That's what it takes. Do you know that if you have a price that you'll say, for this price, I will stop following God. I won't stop serving him. I'll still do good works, but it'll be on my terms. If you have a price for that, maybe it's persecution or unhappiness, or if I get this unhappy, I will escape and live my own life and serve God on the side. If I get this poor, I'm going to change course. And if you have a cost, a price that you're willing to step out of the will of God for, the devil will pay it. Is it an amount of money? Is it an opportunity? Is it frustration? What is it? 
If you have a price, the devil will pay it. And then every time God gets hold of you and the Holy Spirit begins to lead you into a place of maturity and growing up, the devil will come back and open a nice easy door for you to escape to. And that's what happened to all those students. They'd come year after year, about six weeks. It happened every year. I had a speech prepared because it was every year I'd have a number of young men and women come to my office and say, I just feel God's leading me in. And we have our Christianese to make it to where it's not me just being immature. It's not me being selfish or immature. It's God. God's leading me down this path. And I'd watch as they'd say, no, no, I'm gonna, I'm not going to stay. I said, just stay for another, just stay till Christmas. Make it one semester. You can do that. And, and it was so, the emotion, the fighting of their natural man, fighting them, was so intense that they, they would escape. And it never failed that I would get a phone call in about three weeks after they moved home. That I'd get a phone call. It never failed. Pastor Allen, this is so-and-so. I just want you to know, I thank you for all you did, but... I really did do well. I really did do right because I'm here at my church. I'm back home with my family. And you know that I am praying more than ever. And you know that I, I found a great job where I can give double tithe and give extra money to the church. And I'm also been asked to help out with the, this program in the church. And I've been serving and doing so good. And, and it just feels so peaceful. And at that time, I wasn't allowed to speak to them as far as try to teach them because they had stepped out of my life as a teacher. They removed me as a voice in their life in that manner, not as a friend, but as, as a teacher. And I would say, and I, I wouldn't say to them, I'd just say, well, we love you and we're praying for you. And, and listen, you're always welcome back. And, but I knew what happened when the moment they gave their flesh what they wanted, what it wanted, the moment they gave their outward man what they wanted, the hour man quit fighting them and rewarded them with emotions of peace and happiness because all the all the things that God was trying to get them to mortify of their flesh, they gave to their flesh, and they just called it Christian. And their their flesh said, yeah, we'll I'll serve God. Just don't kill me. I'll do it. Yes, I'll, I'll submit. I'll serve God. Just don't kill me. And so they went off and, and, and never came back. Had one young man say, Pastor, I'm in debt, and I know what I want to do is I want to quit the school. And understand, my mindset is that God sent them there for a reason. Not to fail, but to succeed. And success doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean you're happy. It doesn't mean you even are perfect. Success means you don't quit. You don't, you don't, you don't ever, ever, ever plan a way of escaping out of the will of God, no matter where that takes you. This young man said, I'm going to go work an extra job for six months, and then I will come back, and then I'll get back on track to following God's will. After I'm out of debt, he never came back. They never, they never did. They never did. One man who I love, who's one of the best youth, young people, uh, children, ministers I've ever met, had a job, a factory job. He was older. And I remember him saying to me, Alan, I, I have an opportunity. I feel the Lord wants me to go full-time into working with kids. And that means I'd have to quit my job. But, you know, I'm only 10 years away from retirement, which means if I make retirement, I get to receive finances for the rest of my life to support me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep working my job until... I can retire. And what was happening was God's direction was beginning beginning to mess with his desire to be supported. So in trying to turn that to where it doesn't cost so much, we try to justify it and say, well, I, w I can still do it. I can still do both, right? And we try to intervene in God's direction because we don't want us to face our flesh. Do you know that... <laughs> Many Christians spend their whole life appeasing their flesh as they serve God. They never come back when they make their plan to go do something and come back. It never works. Never. Never seen it work. All those phone calls would mostly be of how all the good things they were now doing. Now I am 
double tithing. I'm giving more money than ever. I am busier in the church than ever. Because when we decide to disobey God, the first instinct is to serve more, to make more sacrifice so that we can kind of appease God. Say, God, I know I'm not doing exactly what you wanted, but you know, you're not that smart. I'm smarter than you. I'm going to do it this way. But to make up for me disobeying you, I'm going to go do it. I'm going to give you more money. I'm going to give you more time. But we know from Scripture, what does it say? It's better to obey than it is to sacrifice. God has a plan for you, and you'll never fulfill it if you allow yourself the right to escape. And there's a lot of training that happens when you follow God that is not spiritually based. It's not just about learning how to pray for people and raise the dead. Most of the training that God's placed me in is about growing up in my spiritual man, growing up in my character, to quit fighting for my own way and allow God to bless me and walk me down the path wherever it might lead. Too many Christians justify living their own life because they quote verses. I'm a child of God. God wants me to bless. My father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I should have 14 beautiful houses and Learjets and, and nice cars. God wants me to bless. And they, they go find and seek opportunity to be blessed. And they say, God bless me. I wonder if Paul would send out a, on his social media a picture of his feet in chains saying, look at glory to God for this day. What is he, What a blessing he has for me today. The blessings of God, the fallen of God, doesn't always lead to sandy beaches and, and honeymoon suites. Sometimes it leads to change and chains and sacrifice and hardships. God's goal is to bring a revival to the world where they experience the power of God and the devil is set on stopping it. If your mindset of God is about being blessed and happy and abundant at all times, that's a worldly mindset. That's holding on to your rights. That I have a right to be blessed. I have a right to be prosperous. And the message today is to to wake up the church a little bit, the church world a little bit. Most in the church world won't want to hear what I'm saying. They're not interested in this. And that's because the only reason they came to church, because someone said, God will bless you and give you a great happy life and health and wealth and family. So come to church, go to heaven, and then have a great life this life. But I don't see that in Scripture. I don't see that when Paul is prisoned and shipwrecked and beaten and attacked and and abandoned and turned on by his friends. I don't see that in Scripture. I had one man I talk about quite often. His wife married him, and the Lord told him to go to uh, a country uh, with a jungle, and sent him in to find a tribe. And on this tribe, he found that they, they didn't have, they, didn't, they only spoke their language, they didn't have written language. So he spent his whole life, think about it, took his wife there, drug his wife to the jungle. They lived in a, like a hut in the jungle. And no Wi-Fi, no air conditioning, no fridge, no electricity, no phones, no mail running. This is in the jungle with the tribe. And that man spent his whole life, he first learned their language. Then he created a written language for that tribe. And then he wrote the Bible in their language. And he taught them how to write in their language. And then he taught them how to read in their language so then they could read the scripture and get born again. He invested his whole life into that little tribe. And his wife and kids grew up there in the jungle because they were obeying God. Now, at what point can he say, God, I have my kids here. I should be raising them in a, in a nice school, in a nice home, in a nice city. And they should be looking for prom and sports. But we're just here in the jungle. See, that's a sacrifice that God wanted them to make. And they could have justified change in their course at any time. Because they wanted to live by what they deserved in this world. The first thing you should learn when you're a Christian is that you want to give up your life here so you can spend a life in eternity with God when He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I don't know if we give enough 
credit to those words, what those words will mean to us. I think it might be the single most important prize of all of eternity to be able to pass that line where Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. To hear that, I think will mean more than all the pleasures, happiness, success we could have in this lifetime. Time's a million. But yet we find many Christians in this world are seeking after prosperity and happiness. I'm all for, I like prosperity. I like happiness. I want those things. But never at the expense of following God. I remember the time he told me to, he spoke to me and told me, I don't want you to travel and preach. I don't want you to have a job. I want you to sit and pray and get to know me. And that was the hardest two years of my life. It was, it was torturous. Listen, it was torture. Because I could easily have, I had pastors calling me, inviting me to come preach. I had opportunity to do many things. But the Lord told me to sit and pray and get to know Him. And that meant I had no income. We didn't have money saved up. We didn't have donors. It was simply obeying Him. I remember torturing. It was a torturous fight between me and my outward man. The outward man complaining and punishing me for not fixing it, for obeying God. How dare you obey God and make me just sit here? We can go make money. We can go preach. Don't you know people want to hear you preach? There's people out there dying and going to hell because you're not preaching. And I had to obey God. And what happened was there was a fight I had to go through where I had this giant on the inside of me, bigger than Goliath. Let me tell you, this, this sucker was huge. And it wasn't poverty. It was that I felt unworthy. I had an unworthiness in me, in my natural man, that said, I'm not good enough for God to take care of. He'll take care of other people, but not you, Alan. And when he told me, to sit and pray, and not to work. I said, God, let me get a job. I'll work. I've worked since I've been 13 years old. Let me work. No, I couldn't work. I had to sit and pray. I couldn't tell anyone my needs. Uh, We just prayed, and we obeyed God. And it was a war, but it was between me and me, my inner man versus my outward man. And my, my outward man kept coming up with scenarios of justifying, abandoning, escaping what God told me to do. Too many Christians escape from what God has them to do. And they never grow up. They'll never fulfill their walk on this earth. They'll go to heaven, praise God, but they'll never hear, well done, good and faithful servant. They jump ship anytime it gets uncomfortable, it gets hard. They run when it gets hard rather than walk in the will of God. It's in that will of God, in the hardships, when you're enduring, you're enduring and you get up the next day, and you think, I'm, okay, I can only make it one more day. And then I think I'll die probably. I can't make another day. And then you, you make it through that day and you wake up the next morning and you're alive. And you say, okay, maybe I can make it one more day. I remember Gary Carpenter talking about how in their financial training time where him and his wife would say, well, him and Sue would say, well, electricity is on today, but tomorrow surely we'll die. But he, he didn't change course. And that's where the victory is. The victory is in not fixing it and not changing course. There's a reason God led you into the fight. Only because he knows you'll win if you don't quit. It's when we quit and escape and try to find an easier way. At that moment is when we take the reins of our life back and say, I can do better than you, God. And really, I understand the the torment and the struggle that tries to get you to change course. What good am I doing? I'm just sitting here. What good am I accomplishing? I'm wasting my life. My other friends, they're they're they have this and they have that. I remember I, I youth pastored at a young age. I was 19 when I started youth pastoring, and that means the the kids that I was a youth pastor were usually two to five years younger than I was, or a little younger, but some were only two years younger than I was. And I remember following God, obeying God for years, but not finding prosperity. Just making enough, but I was in the will of God. Opportunities opened and God wouldn't let me take them. Wonderful opportunities came to me, but God wouldn't let me take them. And I remember going home 
to visit my family and friends and and some of these young people 10 years later from when I youth pastored invited me to their house and I'd go to their house and and they're living in beautiful these are like these were kids when I was their youth pastor and they're living in beautiful homes and they're married and have have their own kids now children and they have nice cars and some had boats and motorcycles and here I was living in a dormitory so that I can pay my bills and driving an old car with 200,000 miles on it, beat up old car, just scratching and scraving, believing God for every everything. I'm with these young people who are walking in, in normal life, like they're successful and they're happy. And, and I didn't go into depression, but I thought, God, is this, what is this? And he reminded me of how important it was for me to follow him. And everything I gave up, He's given back to me. I wish you could learn that. Everything you give up when God asks you to, that means He's going to give it back to you. But this time, it won't cost you. You won't have to fight for it. You won't have to build it. You won't have to make it. He'll give it to you for free. And it's yours for the rest of your life. But He cannot give it to you unless you you let it die first. And those are the things that He asks of you. Let's go over to our verse here in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. If anyone desires to come after me. Well, in fact, let's go up a few verses. Let's go to verse 21. I'll throw this in here for free. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. So Jesus began to open up about some of the suffering he was about to go through. And Peter stood up and said, No, no, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now that's an extreme example of what I'm talking about. When you hear that voice say, hey, there's an easier road. You know, we can serve God and serve the flesh at the same time. You know, you don't have to go so extreme. When you start shopping for churches, I'm going to find a church where I'm loved. I'm going to find a church where I'm blessed. A church that I'm encouraged and strengthened. You're not supposed to ever shop churches. You're supposed to grow up enough that you can hear God. Now remember, I was saying this to a mature crowd. Newborn people, immature people. I want you to find a church that's going to help you to grow. But you should grow up eventually to where you you can say, God sent me here. And that means that I'm here until he tells me to leave. I'm here. And I don't care what I have to do to stay here. I don't care if you make me happy or make me sad. If you preach what I like or don't like, if you offend me or not, I am here to pour my life and my heart into this place because my Father sent me here. See, you remove the right to be offended. Well, the pastor didn't say hi to me or someone stole my parking lot or or maybe someone was mean to you. So what? What gives you a right to stop obeying God? Grow up. we got to grow up. And this is what happens when you pray in tongues. He begins to build in you the desire to only obey God no matter what the cost. I did all this stuff and no one saw it. No one thanked me. No one appreciated me. That's part of serving. You're not supposed to be rewarded. Your reward is that one magnificent line that I hope you hear. Pray you hear and I hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Verse 24, then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? And what will a man give in exchange for his soul. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each according to his works. 
Now, his works here is not talking about what you do for God, how much you give, how many people you witness to or pray for. That is not his works. Not how many people you feed the poor with. His works are how much are you have you obeyed God with your life. The works that he's talking about here is tied into you obeying and laying down the right for you to direct your life. That is the works that he's talking about. Don't escape. Let me read this one more time. This is so good. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will reward each one according to his works. Let's be obedient children. Endurance is a season when you just don't quit. I have a few friends who are runners, like marathon runners. But there's a thing when you run, I've never experienced this, I don't think I've ever ran far enough. But they call it the wall. When you're running and all of a sudden you're happy, and all of a sudden you don't want to run anymore. It's the wall. Nothing in you wants to run. And they call it the wall because it's there to stop you. And it's a natural thing, I think. And they tell you, just keep running because you'll get through it and eventually you get your your heart back into running. But at the time, your heart's left. It doesn't want to run anymore. I have one friend who I love. She was running and she hit the wall and she's running with her husband. And they were just running along in about mile 20. She just quit. She started crying and had a breakdown. He had to like encourage her, like, come on, let's go. You can do it. Let's do it. Come on, don't quit. Let's do it. And had to like encourage her to get up and keep running. But if he wasn't there, she would have quit. And because that wall is so hard. Well, that's we have the same kind of wall when we're praying and, and seeking God and your natural man pitches a fit. It releases endorphins of, or chemicals of defeat, discouragement, frustration, unsatisfaction, and everything in your natural man says, I'm not going another step. That's it. I'm tired of giving you license to tell me what to do. You're messing up, and it begins to, to punish you. Why are you making me follow another man's will? Why are we following the will of God instead of following the will of religion or the will of your flesh? And when you hit that wall, that's when endurance is important. It's easy to serve God when it's easy. (laughs) It's easy to follow God when it's easy. But when it's hard and when nothing in your natural man agrees to going into God, are you still going to show up the next day? Are you still going to be faithful in the little things? Are you still going to be obedient to what he told you? Are you going to find a way to fix it? And in our Christianese, we find it by saying, the Lord is leading me to do something easier. I'm going into an easier road. That's what the flesh does. You made a way of an escape. You found a way to escape. And of course, you're not going to say, oh, well, I'm just too carnal. I'm too lazy. I'm too, too selfish. I'm stopping here. I'm going to find a religion that lets me pray and lets me serve God, but doesn't make me mortify or die to my flesh. Doesn't make me serve without reward. That's our Christian language. It's, oh, the Lord's telling me. The Lord's telling me. One, one poor fellow, he was married to a, an older woman, much older woman. And I found out that she had prophesied to him that the Lord told her to tell him that he was supposed to marry her. And so he gave in and married her. And, and good for him, he was faithful and, and that. But it wasn't because he heard God. It's because he heard a prophecy. And so much of spiritualism pretending to be God and many Christians that I've seen over the years, including myself, where I try to justify. I remember when I was 
even a teenager just starting to serve God. Maybe I was 18, and or maybe it was before then, but my dad had asked me to do a chore, and I, I, I'd put it off and put it off, put it off, put it off, and I can hear him come down the stairs. My room was downstairs, and I hear him walking down the stairs. And he busts open my door, and I was still in bed. And he said, what are you doing? You're supposed to have done this chore. Well, before he can bust open my door, I pulled out my Bible. I looked at him with puppy dog eyes and said, but, but Dad, I'm just, just reading my Bible and praying. Well, I wasn't reading my Bible and praying. I totally lied and made that up. But amazingly, being spiritual like that backed him off. Backed him off. He's oh, oh, oh. Like, what do you do with that when, you're, when your, your kid is praying and, and reading the Bible? Like, oh, okay, oh, all right, all right. So many of us have learned, even that instinct as a teenager, to control other people by being spiritual, to manage the way I maneuver by being spiritual. We do that with ourselves. We do that with God. We want to grow up, be where God wants us to be, stay where God wants us to be, and be honest when He leads you to change. You do follow that, no matter what the cost. But make sure it's Him, and not you trying to make an excuse to find an easier path. Because you're in it, the fight you're in, you're in it, because God sees victory in your future. A wonderful life of victory, powerful. And it's leading to the next victory, to the next victory, to the next victory. And that's what the devil's afraid of. Let's not escape, let's not deny, deny God the right to lead our steps. Let's lose our life, lose the right to say, well, I should have this, I'm such and such age. I should have this by now. I should have that by now. You want to be in the will of God. That's all you want. Because everything you need is found in the will of God for this moment, for your future. You can trust God with your future. Walk with Him. I love you. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that we have a Father who loves us, who believes in us, who knows our weaknesses, our our insecurities, our mistakes, our failures, but also knows our calling and our, our strengths, and that you desire to take our life and build us into the people of God that you want us to be, to help us to mature, to overcome the direction of our flesh, to overcome the the desires of our flesh. You you have wonderful things in store for us. So right now we pray as we pray. I thank you that your grace is coming upon us right now. Your strength is the strength we need to stay in your will. That no matter what the enemy throws at us, no matter what the world throws at us, no matter what circumstances are thrown at us, no matter what our own natural man throws at us, we can endure and finish the course with the help of the Holy Spirit, the course that you place at our feet, and we will not quit. Say it with me, I will not quit, God, on you. Say that again, Father, I will not quit on you. My life is in your hands. Say that, my life is in your hands. My future is in your hands. My family is in your hands. My finances is in your hands. It is not my life anymore. It is your life, Father. And I thank you that you will take good care of me. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you and thank you for spending time with me today. I will see you soon. God bless.